Welcome back, guys. My name is Matthew Boussard. This is If Maddie Had a Podcast. This is my show. Today, I have an awesome guest. His name is CJ Dandino. This is part one of two. CJ is a new friend of mine. I've only known him for about a year, but his dad uh, was my boss for a couple years while I was just starting out in financial services. And he has made such an impact on my life, and I can't be more thankful that I've met him. He showed me the ropes. He taught me everything that he knew. CJ is such a great guy. He is a former professional baseball player drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. You guys are going to love this episode. Of course, check us out on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is If Maddie Had a Podcast. And also check out CJ Part 2 right after this episode. So let's just roll right through. CJ Dandino. We now welcome on a very special guest. His name is CJ Dandino. He's a man that I've gotten to know a little bit about recently. His dad was my boss. He was like a father to me. His dad definitely plays a massive role in my life. CJ is somebody that I knew I was going to meet one day. I've met him a couple times so far, but have him in tonight. CJ is a ball player. I was a ball player. CJ was a lot better of a ball player than I was. So we'll talk a little bit about baseball. We'll talk a little bit about our careers. We'll talk more about CJ's and the fact that he was a prep star, went to play D1 baseball, played in the Cape Cod League, got drafted by the Pirates, and we'll talk about where he is now. But I guess we can start with LaSalle and how things went for you at LaSalle, why baseball was it more of your dad influencing you in baseball? Because I know that your brother Sean, he plays football, right? Yeah. And he 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 plays college football too. He's a good he's a good football player. But why baseball? Was it more of a decision that you made, or was it more of your dad? Yeah, I don't. I mean, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to absolutely. Uh, yep. Uh, have the conversation, but no. As far as baseball goes, I don't think I was never. I was ever pressured into playing baseball. There was no one sport over the other sport. Um, my dad was a, a basketball player, best basketball. He was a really good basketball player, and football was his secondary sport. And I mean, I played football and basketball, but baseball was always something that I that I loved and and took for heart. But I mean, you can tell a lot of stories. My dad, before preschool and kindergarten, I used to wake up in the morning and hit wiffle balls off a tee. And I guess, th- like I said, there was no real pressure. It was just something that I always did and had the most fun and. So I, yeah, like you said, there was there was no pressure, but yeah. Your dad was a good basketball player because he's one of the most famous refs in Rhode Island, right? <laughs> is, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, him and his dad, my uh, my grandfather Jerry Dandino. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been a ref, I think. I don't know, probably I don't know, thirty years, thirty-five years. Okay, so you got into baseball young. Um, your dad didn't really influence you. It was just kind of more of your niche and and how you kind of felt the game out and and you wanted to take it further so you get to LaSalle and you start playing competitively was UConn your only school or were you looking at other D1 opportunities did you ever think about going to a D3 school maybe you just didn't want to play baseball at all how was that for you yeah no it's a great question I mean the recruiting uh, recruiting process is so complex nowadays I mean I especially with the training that I'm doing now, it's a lot of kids are going through the process and it's changed a lot. I mean, 
the process when I went through it is I was never really a high, highly recruited prospect out of high school. I mean, I have I had an, an all like I think I was all state one year at LaSalle, maybe second team one year. So I wasn't I mean, I was a good high school player, but I wasn't ridiculous by any means. Um, I was recruited late in my career, mostly D twos and D threes in the beginning when I was being recruited sophomore and junior year. And then I had like a very late jump in velocity and, and um, my pitches at, at the end of my high school career. And I didn't get offered, started getting looked at by division ones really until the last summer going into my senior year. And the first couple were Bryant and Wagner College in New York, um, a couple other smaller D ones. And then, like I said, I had that, that big jump at the end and I got an offer from UConn and Elon. UConn, Elon, and Bryant ended up being my top three choices. Okay. Um, and for something that, for me, that some people don't think about, and it's obviously some things that I talk to about with the kids that I'm talking to now, um, I was always a big name school guy. I always wanted to for go sure. To, yeah, I always wanted to go to a school that if somebody asked me where you're going and I said the name, they would know where the school was. Yeah. And no, I completely agree. UConn, Bryant, and Elon – and one of my good buddies actually went to Elon. And, and no offense to those schools, but UConn's obviously the biggest one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was now. I mean, the program then was good. I mean, we had first-round draft picks like Matt Barnes, who you see on the Red Sox. George Springer. George Springer, Springer yep. who's, a, who's a World Series MVP. Um, but like I said, I was never really a highly recruited prospect. I think I was the last one in my recruiting class at UConn, but – Ended up going there, and everything worked out for the best. Um, I had a great time there. I don't have any regrets. All the coaching staff, all the guys that I met there were class A players and people, so I, I don't have any regrets. That's funny that you had that jump, though, late in your high school career. My biggest jump was freshman to sophomore year, and I think most people have that jump freshman to sophomore year, but you had that uptick in your velo, and you had that jump, would you say maybe junior to senior year? You were already an upperclassman at that point. Yeah. I yeah. Would, yeah. I would say ju sophomore and junior year, I was probably like a low touching mid eighties kind of pitcher. Okay. And then going into my junior year, I was that mid eighties, which mid eighties pitcher in high school is like your typical, like a really good D three recruit or yeah. a little bit of a D two. Um, and then, that summer going into my senior year, I saw a lot of uptick, 85 to 88. And then a couple of camps, I was touching 89, 90 miles an hour. So, I mean, forget it nowadays, the recruiting process now, you're either division ones or 90 plus. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you're lucky. But when I was in high school, I say way back, maybe, what, six years ago, um, high 80s was pretty much whatever division one you wanted to go to. Sure. Um, so. Yeah, I was just fortunate. I, I, it wasn't really something that clicked for me. Maybe just maturity, a little bit of strength, maybe some confidence. But, yeah, it was crazy. A couple of miles per hour gets you a lot more opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure – and, you know, that's not to slight any of your braking stuff or off-speed, right? It's just the fact that, you know, the first thing that, you know, coaches and not even coaches, just scouts too at the professional level, the first thing that they look at is how fast can you bring it, right? Yeah, it's just something that you can It's facts. You right, know, you either yeah. You can do it or you can't do it. So, yeah. Right, so UConn was an easy choice, and you get to campus. You actually settle into a nice role, right? Because uh, I'm not sure if you got any college starts, but I know that you ended up getting some high-leverage situations. And for people listening, that just means the game is tight and CJ comes in to pitch, right? Yeah. That's high-leverage. So 
he actually gets a lot of time on the mound in crucial moments where UConn's playing a close game. They need CJ to, you know, shut the door and, and get the bats going and, and end up winning the game, right? So arriving to camp is your freshman year. How did you arrive, kind of get acclimated to the team, and then end up getting into that late-inning role? Yeah, it was a huge adjustment. I actually I came in freshman year, so we'll rewind a little bit. Senior year in high school, after I already committed, um, my whole senior year, I was I thought I had a high forearm tightness, some sort of I don't. It never prevented me from pitching. I always went out and threw. It never prevented me from actually performing, but it was always something that was nagging. Um, but like I said, I was. I, it never stopped me from throwing, so I never thought it was something that big of a problem. When I got to campus, all, all the incoming freshmen had to go in the summer to UConn, uh, start on the lifting program, meet the coaches, get on. We had to take a couple of summer classes before the first fall semester actually started. And with the combination of lifting heavier and more than I had in high school, it irritated my arm even more, the same spot. And come to find out, I actually ended up having to have surgery. Like, I think it was, probably went to campus for fall semester around September 1st. I ended up having surgery in the middle of October, my freshman year. So you go in, like you said, it's hard to get acclimated. You're meeting people, and then all of a sudden you have surgery, and you can't even be a part of the team for, I mean, I was for months. And it's kind of hard because all your incoming freshmen, you had already met them in the summer, but you hadn't really meshed with the rest of the team yet. So it kind of put you a step back and you're thinking like, oh, I'm already hurt. Like I just got pushed out a bunch of people on the depth chart. Like I'm never going to play. I'm going to have to sit out a whole year. I'm going to have to come back next year. So a whole bunch of stuff goes through your mind. It's a constant mental battle of you start questioning, am I good enough to be here? I was already one of the last people recruited in my class. Like, should I be here? Should I be leaving? So you get through that. And then, like you said, my redshirt freshman year, so I ended up redshirting because I didn't play. So I come back my sophomore year academically, my freshman year baseball, and they kind of threw me into the fire. Like, I, I had a really good preseason. And the way that the U, at least the way that the UConn, they do it in college because the coaching staff's jobs are on the line. If you don't win, you're out. So you have what they call it a very short leash. Like, a lot of you say, like, just for listeners to know, like, a short leash means if you go out and you're pitching really well, they're going to keep using you in those situations. And if you don't pitch well, the next guy's up. So if you come out and start doing poorly, you're probably not pitching much longer. But right. I started out that year pitching really well. So like you said, it kind of got some comfortable in those situations. But um, as you'll probably get into it, it was kind of a wave, <laughs> a wave that ended uh, on a high note. But <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and I mean, that's just pitching in general. You know, it's it's tough. I mean, you played – UConn's in the Big East, right? They are now, yeah. Oh, what what conference so, were they in when you played? They we were in the American Athletic Conference: Central Florida, South Florida, Houston. Oh, goddamn! So you have some Southern schools in that? Yeah, it's all over. Plane rides must have been fun. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> the travel was the travel was a lot. Yeah, as yeah. far as I want to say, Houston. Yeah, University of Houston was the furthest team away, and then the closest team was probably Cincinnati. So nothing really that close. You had schools all over the country, and like I played Division three, so I was playing schools like within New Hampshire, like within Vermont, <laughs> within Maine, like Massachusetts, and like you were obviously playing like University of Houston. Meanwhile, I would have played Houston College of Technology <laughs> Agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are schools everywhere. That really is big time shit because like UConn, obviously. It's one of the more notable 
New England schools. Like when you think about like a good baseball school in New England, it's UConn, BC. Um, yeah, Northeastern. I remember your career being pretty decent, though. I I don't remember the waves, and and maybe of course you had some highs and some lows, but you had a unbelievable experience your team obviously i'm not sure if you guys made it to the college world series but you definitely made some noise in the regionals and like leading up to that tournament right yeah for sure yeah, yeah. we yeah like you said we, we never made a college world series we made a a few regionals actually i was in three we were at to be i think three regionals in my five years well technically i played four years but i was there for five years um yeah we had we had some really good players i mean i played with a lot of stud pitchers um one I played with Anthony Kay, who's a big league pitcher for the Blue Jays. Uh, yeah, yeah, we know him. Yeah, yeah. he was he was Rex Specs, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah we know him. Great mm-hmm. dude. I was pretty close with Ant, and then um, Tim Kate was a second round pick. Mason. Field. I've heard of him. Yeah, Tim. And, was and I know Mason. He got drafted by the Padres, right? Yep. Padres. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim was with the Nationals. Um, oh, that's right, dude. I should know that. Yeah. Damn. Tim was You're right. Yeah yeah yeah. Too. yeah. 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 Played with a lot of stud arms. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It was, yeah, a great experience. Like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the team was loaded. You came from a great program. How did you end up parlaying that to the Cape Cod League? Because the Cape Cod League, it's not just the regional summer league. It's the summer league. Like, it's the league every baseball player who is going to play professionally plays in in the summer. And, like, there's... The Cal Ripken League in the D.C. area, where I'm from, I wasn't even close to being good enough to play in that. And that's not even close to as competitive as the Cape Cod League. So you end up playing in that. How was that? How was the competition in that? Because you're playing the best of the best from the country. No, it was I mean, I played almost too much summer ball. I did did five years because of the surgery. I had grad school and whatnot. So I ended up playing four full summers of college summer ball which was a lot like yeah, most yeah. people only played two maybe three um so i was <laughs> i had some good experience so i went from the futures league to the necbl which i played for three years and then in my third year in the necbl i actually had a but we'll forget about that but in my third year so i was playing with the necbl and my team was out first and um the cape cod always pulls players from some of the other leagues towards the end of the year because a lot of the pitchers that play in that league have already had full seasons. They might be younger. They they might not be used to the the full uh, the full season. So a lot of them get shut down early, and they call up some of the players from the other leagues that are having good years. And I had honestly the best summer that I had in all of college in that last summer. So I got asked to play for um, Chatham Chatham Anglers in the Cape Cod League. So I went. And I was screwed at that point. It's my last year. I might as well go play and. Like you said, what an experience. Like, the players in that league are just on another level. You have to be not only on a D1 team to play in the Cape Cod League. You have to be a very good D1 player to play. So, yeah. The team that I was on, Chatham, in 2019? No, 18. So, there's probably 20, maybe 22 players on the roster, 20 to 23. 17 players on that team got drafted. (laughs) <laughs> but and, like that's we had the number yeah. one we had the number one overall pick on our team spencer torkelson from 2020 no way yeah got drafted by the tigers yeah, he was a three-hitter on our team right field. holy shit great guy like i tell you a funny story we talk about that so the first day i get there like you said like 
I'm just a little Northeast guy, like called up for a few weeks. Like I'm nothing special. I'm a low, high 80s, low 90s, right-handed pitcher. Like those are just disposable all the time nowadays. So like I go out and I don't know for, for listeners, when, when you get to batting practice, I'm sure you know, like the coach always writes on the board what your responsibilities are. Right. And usually like your dump back end relief pitchers have like foul balls, like home run balls. Like you're on the worst job possible. You're not really a part of BP. So my name was, um, I actually wasn't even put on the the, uh, the list that day. I was brand new. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go take right field foul balls. I'm like, whatever. And I didn't even know who this kid Spencer was, Torkelson. And he was in right field again this pregame. And, and he was he started talking to me. He was like, hey, man, like, welcome to the team, blah, blah, blah. Like, we start shooting the shit in, in the outfield. And come to find out, like, I'm in this fifth inning of the game, like, in the bullpen. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be, like, the first pick. And I'm like, really? I'm like, because most of the time you would think that these top players are jackasses, whatever. This guy was the nicest kid ever. Wow. Welcome me right on the team. Yeah. I didn't even know who I was talking to. Yeah. Like, yeah, ended up being awesome. Yeah, what a cool guy. He played for Team USA like two years in a row. But yeah. like you said, just unbelievable talent. Like guys that are already in the big leagues. Yeah, because it's like it's tough to really conceptualize that for the listeners because playing D1 is obviously a massive achievement, but playing in the Cape Cod League is above that. It's not above and it's not on par with getting drafted but it's like, it's got to be above playing D1 because playing in the Cape Cod League, you're in that upper echelon of D1 players. Like you said, you're playing, you're on the same team as the number one traffic yeah. in baseball. You signed for like almost eight figures. Yeah. Nine point something million times. Yeah. And like the fact that you were able to do that. Um, now, we don't have to really go into playing like or how you played in the Cape Cod League or, or how you played your senior year or whatever. Obviously, you played well enough where you start getting professional looks. Uh, now, I, I remember going into the office and, and talking with your dad and, and maybe Case Bacon or, or going over some stuff, and your dad was saying that the Pirates were looking at you. Uh, I'm not sure if there were any other teams scouting you, but how was that process? Were the Pirates talking to you a lot your senior year of college were there other teams did you go to any showcases how did that kind of unfold for you when you were a senior yeah I, I laugh at how it unfolded because like you said it, it, it kind of happened so quick like like I said I was I did five years of school um so I was in college longer than I should have been <laughs> um but my senior year I kind of just went into it like this is my last year like I'm in grad school like my focus started to shift from mostly baseball to like my career like yeah my real life career so it's like i'm just having fun join my teammates like i'm the old man on campus on the team like trying to give my experience and my advice to some of the newer guys that are coming on the team like just sharing that stuff and that mindset almost enabled me to have better numbers that year like i i wasn't even thinking like prior years you're always looking at the stats like oh my era like i gave up two hits this game and i run like my era just jumped yeah and my in that year i'm like whatever and I, I wasn't even really putting it together and probably about a third of the way through the season some of my coaches like pitching coach and some of the players were like started like hinting at oh and when I would talk about my career like moving on they're like your career in professional baseball and I would laugh like a joke blah 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 and they're like what do you like if you keep pitching like you're gonna get drafted blah 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 and like and my mind being drafted at that time was something that wasn't even like a thought yeah it was so like I, I knew the process, but, like, I hadn't talked to anybody really. Like, I'm like, that's not going to – like, whatever. I'll just keep pitching, whatever. Like, 
that's not something I was thinking about. And then another month went by with maybe like a one ERA, two ERA, and and then another few weeks, and it's like then you start thinking, well, this probably could be a possibility. But at the same time, it's like you're still just trying to have fun. Like it's not if I got drafted or if I didn't get drafted, it really wasn't gonna ch- like it, it wasn't something that I was banking on. And right. then, like you said, a, a few teams, the Pirates. I spoke with the Pirates, the Tigers, and what was the other team? I think the Twins. Those three teams are the only teams that I even had any sort of communication with, um, but the Pirates the most. I had spoken with the, the area scout, um, whose name is Eddie Charles. He actually came to campus, and I had a one-on-one meeting with him, but I hadn't done that with any of the other teams. Um, but, yeah, like, not, like you said, I, I wasn't really a prospect out of high school, and I wasn't really a prospect out of college. It just kind of happened at the right time. Well, I think you're being a little bit too modest, but you are right. I do like what you said about the fact that you play so much better when you just don't tense, when you yeah. don't think about the stats, when you don't think about the outcomes, and you can just be in that moment and play. Uh, you end up putting up your best year, your senior year, and you're not even thinking about getting drafted. All of a sudden, you play your way into getting drafted. Mm-hmm. You get some professional looks, and then draft day rolls around, which is the biggest day of your life. I am, I think I'm in, I'm in Smithfield. I'm in Smithfield and I'm in a parking lot trying to kill time before an appointment, right? So I think I got like maybe like a half hour to go. I might like be sipping on a coffee or eating some food, right? And I got a call from, I think it was a random number. It must've been your number because I, I haven't met you yet, and I don't have your number saved in my phone, right? So I pick up the phone, and I'm like, hello? And and you're like, hey, this is CJ. Like, who's this? And I'm like, Chris? Like, And you're like, because Chris is your name, obviously, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, this is Chris. And I'm like, no, 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 is this CJ? And you're like, yeah, this is CJ. I'm like, what the f- this is draft day like what the fuck is going on like I'm like it's the biggest day of your life I'm on the phone with you on draft day and I'm sure it was because I so of course we grow up we're on our parents phone plans right I went on my own phone plan when I got to school I went to school in New Hampshire right so I had a 603 area code uh, you're obviously from Rhode Island, so 401 area code, uh, 603 inbound call that you miss. You're thinking, of course, it could be a professional team calling you saying, hey, we picked you, you know, you're, you're, you've been drafted. So we're talking, but I haven't even met you yet, and it's the biggest day of your life, and I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, hey, man, like, hey, like, good luck. Like, I hope everything goes well today. Like, it was the craziest thing. And then I talked to your dad eventually. He mentions, of course, you get drafted by the Pirates. What was that like? I'm assuming, of course, you got a phone call. Were you watching the draft on TV? Did any friends reach out? Any family members? Anything like that? Anything special happen after the phone call? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was funny. It I mean, was ridiculous, before, dude. Like, I don't, it was that, crazy. That was such, a, such a blur. I mean, <laughs> it was. A, I mean, the process of the first day of the draft, because even leading up to the draft, like I finished the year like. I never really had a bad end. Like I had, a, I finished a year good, so I'm like, all right, I actually have a chance of getting drafted. But so I, like, I have to pay attention to the draft. Like it wasn't like when you're a pro, like when you know you're getting drafted, it's like 
you have an agent, you have a, an agency that you've been working with, like you have scouts on your phone, like you know that you're getting drafted. It's just a matter of when. And what team. And what team. So You had all that, right? Because no, you did get I, drafted. Yeah, but the way that I got drafted was a lot different than that. Like Okay. So the year that I got drafted as a 19, there was, I think there was four kids on our team that got drafted. One being Mason. I'm drawing a blank on that. Mike, Michael Woodworth and who was the other one? And Jacob Wallace. Who was, Jacob Wallace was a third-round pick to the Rockies. So, like, he knew he was getting picked. I think he was one of the – I think he was the first or second reliever taken in the draft. He knew he was getting picked, just not knowing what team. Mason was going to get drafted. He was a top prospect for Team USA. And Michael Woodworth was another guy like me, an, an older guy. He was a, a regular senior. Um, he had a little contact. But going into the draft, like I said, I knew I wasn't going on the first day. Like, that's the first and second round. The second day is rounds three through ten. I knew it wasn't going on that day. Like you had to have communication to go on the second day, so I didn't really watch. I, we were cheering for our team. Like Mason and Jacob got drafted on the first two days, and then on the third day, I'm like, all right, I'm probably if I get a chance, it'll be on today, but it won't be till the end of the day. And the third round is rounds eleven through forty, so it's a lot of picks. Right. So I think it's the coverage starts at maybe like ten a.m. or eleven a.m. I actually went golfing with one of my buddies on the team yeah. in the morning, and I had my phone on just in case I got a call. But like, I didn't think I was getting a call for a while, so I just had it on. We played golf, go back to my apartment, and we're just watching the stream, like all the people getting picked. Before I got a call, it, my name popped up on the draft board. Before, no, <laughs> before I got called, that's what happens. That's, that's crazy. So that, when you're that late in the draft, it just like you don't have a thing, like you don't know. Well, the only the only thing that I had a hint of was the scout, the Northeast Area Scout, texted me um, that morning and said, "Good luck today. Like I'm gonna do everything I can to get you off the on the board." Blah blah blah. But that's nothing. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I appreciate it. Like thanks. Blah blah blah. And then <laughs> and <laughs> probably crazy. like the t- maybe so I got drafted in the 37th round, in the 35th or 36th round. He texted me and was like, if you're going to get drafted, like, it'll be next round. He's like, if we don't go next round, then, like, that's it. So I'm like, okay, like, here it is. And then came up, and then, bam, my name just popped up, like, on the internet, on the feed. That is unbelievable. I kept refreshing, and I was like, is that real? Like, my buddy was like, you just got drafted, blah, blah, blah. And and then, sure enough, like, within 30 seconds, I got a call from the scout. But it didn't didn't come before you saw the feed. That is ridiculous. Typically, in the end of the draft, that's what happens. You don't. Like you said, you're not uh, you're not really a pro. Like you just you just get picked. That just blows my mind. So of course you don't want to you don't want to think too much about it. So you go golfing earlier in the day, yeah. Yeah, right? So you kind of put your mind at ease. You come back, you have your phone on high, and you're watching the feed, and bang, CJ Danino pops up, <laughs> yep. and without even a phone, like that's crazy. Yeah, you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, like the only the only notification I had was from. The scout. Yeah. The round. Like five minutes before, like, hey, if you're going to get picked today, like, this is going to be the round. So, yeah. obviously, you're nervous, like, am I going to get picked? But, yeah. Popped up. I have, I think I screenshotted it on my phone, but, like, it comes yeah. up and you don't, like, believe it at first. You're like, yeah, you keep refreshing. <laughs> you, you're pinching then, yourself. Like, yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> that's, like, the most <laughs> population I've ever gotten on my phone. Like, the scout calls me, blah, blah, blah. Like, congratulations. Blah, blah, blah. Enjoy it. 
And then after that, like your phone is just bombarded, like hundreds of messages from yeah. people. Like, cause as soon as one person posts it, like, you know, on social media these days, it's like wildfire. That's gotta be the biggest event. I mean, you could live to be 120 years old. That's still going to be top three as far as biggest events of your life. I mean, it just, it is so cool that you got drafted. Now, very unconventional that you had to, you like, you knew that you were getting drafted before the phone call. Usually the phone call happens before the announcement, right? But you do get drafted. I'm sure it's a rush. You celebrate all this stuff. What happens after that? Do you have to go to Pittsburgh and do some paperwork and meet some yep. people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so tell us about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. The way that the process worked was, like you said, the, the scout called, hang up the phone, congratulations, whatever. The bombardment of celebration. You got drafted. Like life, like you said, lifelong achievement. Like ever since I was four or five years old, you dream of going to. My dream always when I was little was going to the University of Florida Gators for some reason. As I got older, I'm. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really want to go to Florida. Like I'd rather stay local. But the dream was Gators and getting drafted and like you said at first it doesn't hit you and it's like wow like this is something that you always thought of and it actually happened whether it was a first round pick or a 40th round pick you still got like drafted it's 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 yeah it's just something that you you think about for a while and then when it actually hits you it's like like you said like yeah it's like it's cool like you said you never it's beyond it's beyond cool it's like Like, a dream and then when it actually happens even though like was it was so late it's still just a I mean, no, but you're just, you're too modest, CJs. It's, it's more (laughs) than a dream. Like I, I can't conceptualize it because like there's so much time and effort that just goes into what I did. And my biggest achievement is playing division three. You crush that by not only playing division one, but playing in the Cape Cod league and actually getting drafted and playing professionally. So like it, it is just, it's beyond a dream and like I was the same way like if I wasn't going to be a baseball player I wanted to be a skateboarder or like a rock star right it's 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 a dream that you have as a kid and it's it becomes a reality it's it's tough to really conceptualize it's it's just unbelievable and it it just the feeling like I can't even describe like I'm sure you have a tough time describing what it was feeling whether you're the first pick in the draft or whether you're the last it's just unbelievable when that moment comes. Yeah. And I'm sure you had some time to really digest it and think about, you know, your entire life coming to this point. I'm sure obviously once you got drafted, you knew, okay, like forget about my career, like forget about, you know, being a businessman, like forget about that. Like yeah. I'm playing baseball, like this is what I'm doing. So yeah. you go to Pittsburgh. What is that like? How long are you there? Are you there for a couple of days, a week? Yeah, so originally when this like when you talk to the scout right after you get drafted, he was laying along the lines a little bit of what's to come about with that, but let you celebrate. And then I got back on the phone probably with him the next day or the day after, and I think I had to. They had a flight out from Rhode Island to Pittsburgh. I think within two weeks of when I got drafted, so we had to go out to Pittsburgh. They had they had to run you through a full physical from head to toe, blood pressure, all all, all the whole nine yards to make sure that you're healthy. Like that, they're they're because it's an investment. They're paying I mean, right. Even the I'll disclose it the, the twelve hundred dollars that I signed for at the very end of the draft. Like it's still an investment. They want to make sure that sure. And um, and that's really important too because there was a kid from Vanderbilt, Rocker, who 
had some elbow trouble, mm-hmm. and he was like the he was a top ten pick. I think he was like second or third. Yeah. Yeah. He was high. He was a high pick. This guy's gonna potentially sign for millions. And this is this year, right? This was a couple yeah. months ago in the summer. Yep. And the Mets don't sign him because of his elbow trouble, right? Mm-hmm. So the physical and, and the stuff, you are right. It is very important. Yeah. The team has to do their due diligence. And uh, and you go through the physical. You take a flight out of Green and you fly to Pittsburgh? Yeah, so we flew. I'm That's trying, crazy. I'm trying to think yeah. there was a layover or whatnot. It might have been in... Uh, I don't know. We could have flown to like DC or Baltimore. (laughs) So, so you're, but like you're, you're no longer a college athlete at that point. You're a professional athlete and you're on a flight with all these normies. (laughs) That agreed. (laughs) Like probably a Southwest flight, like, like Pittsburgh probably flew you on like one of the cheaper ones. (laughs) And you're just, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And here you are, you're this professional athlete. You're flying with like all these normies who are, it's the summertime, right? So they're probably like going on vacation or something. Yeah, Yeah, that was some of the weird, yeah. Like, like, where are you going? (laughs) Oh, I'm going to Pittsburgh. Like I just got drafted. Right. It's a weird, it's yeah, it's weird. It's exciting, though. It's, right? It's, right, right. It was very new at that point, so it's like yeah. it's weird saying it's it still hadn't really set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got drafted, like, you like question yourself, like, yeah, I just got drafted, like, I'm going to sign my contract, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but yeah, you get there, they, they run you through all the physicals, they put you in a hotel, like, right near the stadium. PNC Park is gorgeous in Pittsburgh. I've never been, before. I've heard, I've never been, but I've heard, yeah, gorgeous. They, they put you up there, they, they gave us a tour of PNC Park. We met some of the front office staff, blah, blah, blah. Go through the physicals. The physicals um, took all day long. We had to go from place to place. We had blood work done this place, x-rays and MRIs done at this place, bus you over to this place to do that test. Took the whole day. And then as we're waiting, um, the group that I was with, I think there was four of us at the time, they sent you in groups. So like I was with the I think it was like a 20th round pick, uh, 21st round pick, uh, my pick, and then like the pick after me, like all later picks. Um, but we were actually we're in <laughs> we're in like the presidential suite at PNC Park, like looking at the overview with the city, the city, um, what's it called, the skyline of of Pittsburgh, and the guys were like, just so you guys know, you guys all passed the physicals. <laughs> so it's like everyone was like, oh, thank God we passed the physicals. Blah, blah, right. Blah. So then we they took us in one by one into the the um, like the front office room like this big round table and they had like the Pittsburgh Pirates backdrop blah 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 and that's when they gave us the contracts and took all the pictures and, and that's kind of when it set in they give you the hat the stuff and absolutely at that, point, that they're like the guys like oh let me take some pictures for you for your parents blah blah, blah. and it's like all right this is pretty cool at this point <laughs> it's more than that it's it's unbelievable and. I can't even imagine what it was like, like your face. I mean, you probably were cheesing hard during the photo. I would have been like jaw dropping. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Like signing the thing. You've seen Fever Pitch, right? Yeah. yeah. You know how at the end of the movie, right before Drew Barrymore runs on the field, Jimmy Fallon's like shaking his hand, trying to side over his tickets. Like that would have been me signing the contract. Like, I can't believe it. Yeah, this shit's crazy. Feel my heart's intention